Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is not a glorious Tuesday morning. Astros got their faces crushed last night. And, and, you know, it's one game. You know how I look at baseball. When you start the season, you got 54 wins, 54 losses, and 54 games. You got to determine how good you are. And so last night's game was obviously one of those 54 losses that you have before the season starts, so you just file it in that category and move on. I get that. And I, for the most part, I've done that. I said yesterday this cat Tristan McKenzie's good. I mean, first of all, he looks like he's about 14 years old. I don't know if you've ever seen this guy pitch. I don't know how tall he is, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, something like that. And he weighs about 160 pounds. He's a beanpole, and he looks about 14, but he is t- he is talented. Like, I think he's really talented. He doesn't throw a ton of pitches, but he just, I don't know what it is. He just knows how to pitch. He's just, he, he kind of is an old school pitcher to me. Um, Although he looks 14, and he looks unflappable. Like, he never changes his expression. A lot of young pitchers aren't like that. He obviously learned that at a very early age because he is just, he just pitches. He messes up. He just moves on. He did shot. He just moves. I mean, he's just unflappable. Very impressed with that guy. But he, um, I, I didn't like him because the Astros, they didn't hit him. Again, his ERA started, I think it was 297 going into the game and probably dropped considerably because, other than a solo homer, he didn't give up much. But he he look, people look at I wasn't gonna open with this, but since we're on it, I'll go ahead and get it out of the way now. Because I just I look at things differently than most well, I don't know about most, a lot of baseball, softball, I guess it's more of a baseball softball thing. So like last night, the Astros kept pitching to Jose Ramirez. Well, why why pitch to Jose Ramirez? Jose Ramirez is far and away. Why does anyone ever pitch to Jose Ramirez? He's far and away the best player on his team. No one else is even close. Like, no one else is even close. So it's got to just be a pride thing. Why in the world would you ever pitch to Jose Ramirez? Ever. I mean, I, I would never. Well, I say ever. If it's two outs and nobody on, or if you're up by like six or seven runs, pitch to him. But when the game is in doubt, and, and first Astros pitched to him last night, they had runners on second and third, and then and first base was open. And they pitched to him. Why? 
Now, if you have a great line, if you're playing a team with a great lineup, and I'm just, you know, look at the Astros lineup. You say, well, why in the world would you pitch to Jordan Alvarez or whatever? El Pedro. Well, the guy following him might be Icky, who, you know, is pretty good. It might be Yuli, who led the, the American League in hitting last year and who you might not match up well against. So, I mean, there are, you can see that. Like, you play in the Red Sox. You know, why in the world would you pitch to Devers? Well, because J.D. Martinez might be on deck, and, and, and that guy's got a 72-game hitting streak. So that makes sense. I don't like doing it, but at least I see why, the, why you would do it. But when you're facing a team like the Guardians – who have one really good hitter, Jose Ramirez. So you just pitch to him. I mean, what sense does that make? You know, I I, um, I was shocked over the weekend. And I think some of it is just pride. It's just, I don't care how good he is, we're going to get him out. Uh, what's the old... What's the old line from, uh, I think of two things when I said that. One, the old cliche, discretion is the better part of valor. The other one is the line from uh, Russell and Stripes where he said, my, my dad always told me, never hit anyone unless you're absolutely sure you can get away with it. <laughs> I don't know why that line came to my mind, but it did. But um, like over the weekend, on Friday... Bree Ellis, the slugging, I think, what is she, a first baseman for Auburn, 20 home runs in the season, hit two home runs and beat the Cajuns 4-3. to three. Well, in the seventh inning when they played again on Saturday, there was one out, runners in second and third, you're up by three runs. And, and Bree Ellis comes up. And first base is open. And they pitch to her. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you gotta be kid. You gotta be you 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 gotta be kidding me. No, they were about two runs. It was four to two because I think they had just scored a run. And I'm like, there's no way you cannot pitch to her. And of course they did. And she, I mean, they got really, I mean, she almost hit a three-run homer to win the game. But they caught it on the track and got a sack fly to cut it to four to three. And then the next girl hit it even a little closer to the wall on the track, and they fortunately won the game. They got a break there, but there's no way I would have pitched to her. No way. Now you say, well, you're just being too soft. I don't know. I, I don't. You can call it soft, and you might be right, but I also think it's wise. I just, I just, now, the next girl was a good hitter, not as good as Ellis. You know, the, 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 when you, you have to know who you're facing. I just, I just think it's stupid to sit there on a one-man lineup. Now, again, it's baseball. Anybody can get a hit and beat you. This catcher got three hits last night. He was awful. He's awful. And he got three hits last night. But, so nothing is guaranteed. Just because you pitch to someone or don't pitch to someone doesn't mean the next guy's going to get a hit. There aren't you're not guaranteeing anything. 
I'm just I feel like I got a better chance of getting anybody else in that lineup out other than Jose Ramirez, especially since your starting pitcher is Luis Garcia. Although his numbers are a little better this year, historically, he struggles with left-handers. And here you are, an elite, an elite hitter, one of the top ten players in all of baseball. And so they're going to pitch to him. I mean, I just that's just stupid. Why do that? I, I, I've never understood that. I brought it up about three or four weeks ago. Larry Durker used to say when he was an announcer for the Astros, when Pujols was in his prime, you know, what was he in a 13th round draft pick or whatever, and, and, and he became this instant star right away for the Cardinals, and I've hated him ever since. Um, he, uh, he used to say just walk him every time. His... His on-base percentage, if you do that, would be a 1,000. But you wouldn't have all the damage that he gives you. Your slugging percentage would be a 1,000. Like, you would be on base, but, well, actually, his slugging percentage would be zero. Like, he would never hurt you. He would never really hurt you that way. But we got too much pride for that. Now, I'm not suggesting walk him every time he gets at a plate. Although, if if they decided, you know what, at the beginning of this series, we're playing this Guardians outfit and they got one great player and a bunch of mediocre players around him, uh, I'm not letting that guy beat me. If somebody else beats me, I shake their hand, tip the cap, whatever cliche you want to use, and move on. This idea that I'm going to let Jose Ramirez beat me, I mean, that's just stupid. So I don't like that. We'll see how they do. Um, by the way, while we're on the Astros, and we'll uh, get to the break in a few minutes and then and, and shift gears to some other things, but there were, there were two things that I meant to mention yesterday and for whatever reason got distracted and did not mention him. One of them was it was good to see Jose Arquiti pitch well because I hadn't seen him pitch well. I don't know how much it means because he kind of owns the Rangers in his career. And so I'm going to not get excited just yet. When, when someone beats someone that they own or gets a big, has a big day at the plate and gets a pitcher they own, it's great, but I don't know that that means when they got to do it against someone else that they don't necessarily own for me to really get excited about it. And he and Urquidy owns the Rangers. So um, – I'm, I'm encouraged, but I'm not quite excited about it yet. We'll see if he can do that against someone else because he's been pitching bad. Uh, and he had 10 strikeouts. That was good to see on Sunday. The other thing is, did you see the um, the slide that Jason Castro made in that game? What game would it have been? Saturday's game. When the Astros won 2-1, to one, the game Verlander pitched, he 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 had a slide. I, I, I wonder if there's another backup catcher in all of baseball that could have made that slide. I don't think there's many catchers in all of baseball that could have made that slide. And this cat's old. I mean, it was it was impressive. Impressive get out of the way, get his hand in, the speed he showed for an old backup catcher, and I was just wow. I was like, wow, that was impressive. Anyway, so we'll see what the Astros do tonight. Um I hope they pitched to Jose Ramirez less than they did last night. That's 
you know, that's for sure. And they, again, they've got they, – here we go again. Played another game at home, scored one run. They cannot hit the ball at home. It's it, – I, I just don't get why. I mean, I, I like that it is. I just don't get how Minute Maid Park is that much of a pitcher's park. As And, and some of it has to do with how good the Astros pitching has been over the last five years or so. That's certainly part of it. But the other team's pitchers do good at Minute Maid Park, too. The Astros never score any runs. I, I, I don't get it. And they got a pretty good lineup on paper. And the other team's pitchers are not always that good, although Tristan McKenzie's good. Oh, man, is he good. I like to have that cat. But um, it, it, it's just – it's getting – it's – I mean, again, they've done this before. In 2017, they didn't hit the ball at home hardly at all. And other years since then, they've done a little better job at home. But you would think that they could, they would, they would figure the home team would figure out how to hit in that ballpark, which is a very unique ballpark, the setup of it. But they have not figured out how to do it. I mean, we're going to need to come up with some sort of a. Um, like lottery or something, like when in the world is Icky ever going to hit a home run at home? Unbelievable. It's time. Let's start hitting. Of course, they're fixing to go after two more home games. They're fixing to go on their third three-city trip before June. It's ridiculous. But maybe that's good because they can't score any runs at home ever. Unbelievable. All right. Got my Astros frustration out. We'll um, take a time out, shift gears to some other other subjects that we didn't totally get to yesterday. Might have brushed on a few of these, didn't totally get to them. We're going to uh, have our conversation, not in this next segment, the segment after that, our weekly conversation with UL baseball coach Matt Deggs. And then we're going to do something we haven't talked about in a while. In the 10 o'clock hour, High school football, most of the high school football teams had spring football games or finished up their spring football practices last week, the end of last week, some Thursday, some Friday. And so we're going to be talking to some teams, some of the coaches, area coaches over the next week or so uh, to kind of see where they ended up in spring practice, what answers were gotten and what the outlook looks like for their particular teams going into the summer as we and then we'll obviously revisit some of that in the fall when the season actually gets here but kind of some post-spring high school football we'll try to do a little bit of that and we will start that in the at around 10 15 with a katie and a high uh head football coach matt mccullough all righty, so we will take a timeout and be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid.
Not to worry, we have EMT standing by just in case foot passes out. Back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Want to remind you, Astro giveaway two will be held on Saturday, June the 18th, where the Chicago White Sox will be in town. Um, should be interesting. That's a lively group, them White Sox. Uh, they are always in the middle of some kind of um, controversy. They're very emotional. They got a manager I don't particularly like. And so it's always fun to play them, and it was especially fun to beat them in the ALDS last year. Of course, um, McCullers decided to get hurt after finally being healthy in that series, and he hadn't pitched since. I don't think he'll be back by June 18th by any means, but hopefully somewhat uh, about a month after that or or shortly after that. But anyway... Astro Weekend Getaway, if you would like to be eligible to win that great prize, you just, all you need to do is register at the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You will get four tickets to that game on Saturday against the White Sox, a tour of the Great Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday evening. Astro Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning. La Meridian, Houston downtown in the game, Southwest Louisiana's. Sports Station Astros can be heard tonight. Again, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. 7-10 first pitch. The Guardians crushed the Astros last night. Crushed them. And uh, we'll see what how the Astros handle Jose Ramirez. Hopefully a little better than they did last night. Uh, let's go back to the or into the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. It's Martin. How you doing this morning? I heard you were getting your blood pressure. Well, I I don't, you don't think that's stupid? Like, if you're facing a team like them, they got one good hitter. Why let that guy beat you? Yeah, but 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 remember, it's still early in the season. But uh, the 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 Yankees they lose to the Baltimore uh, Cookies. You know, I mean. Uh, so that's a good thing because I think Baltimore's in last place, aren't they? Uh, they know they pretty much are. You can, you don't even need to look at the standings. Did you say Baltimore's in last place? You got a great chance of being correct over the last five years. But uh, but yeah, uh, my Red Sox. You know, I woke up this morning. I said I think I'm gonna take Foot's advice because uh, Cora's not gonna go nowhere. You know, no. but you gotta uh, enjoy it. We got kind of a uh, we got kind of a, a light schedule coming up. We got. The uh, the White Sox for three, uh, so I guess we're gonna have to show them Yankees how to beat them. Uh, and then we got uh, I never heard of this, but we got the the Baltimore Orioles for a five game series. If I seen it right, five game series. I, it's got to be a makeup. I don't know if I, if I seen that right. I mean, uh, I may be wrong, games. but if I seen that right, I don't know if one of them was a makeup game or something. But uh, and then we got the. Uh, the fighting uh, Prejones, the Cincinnati Reds. So hopefully we can get some wins out of those few games, you know. 
catch the Yankees, uh, catch up with them a little bit, give them a little trouble, you know. Man, but you, yeah, I think I'm gonna just start enjoying our wins when we win. Please say that's not you in know? Cincinnati. Uh, I didn't look. Uh, I think it's uh, in I think it's in Boston. I didn't well, see if it was away or a home I, game. I, but I can't even imagine the carnage if the Red Sox would play in the pretty uh, good American Popcorn Park. I mean that park. Uh, oh man, the ball just flies out of there. I, I, that, that's not even fair. So they need they need I to got, come up with a rule. The Red Sox can never play at Cincinnati like that. That, that should never happen. Right, and and I, I gotta. I've been wanting to say, bring this up to you too, man. If there's anybody that's dedicated, that's um, oh, what's that guy that's been playing for Cincinnati? Uh, Joey Votto. Career. Yeah, Joey Votto. That man's got dedication because that team's going nowhere, and he just. Never asked to be traded. He just keeps playing with him, man. You know? I don't know how. I don't know. I, I'm surprised the Yankees ain't, ain't picked him up yet since they like, you know, buying everybody, you know, but they don't cheat, you know, according to Paul. But <laughs> like I told him, the, the commissioner just pushes it. Nothing to see here, you know. He just kind of pushes it underneath the table, you know I mean? But it's, it's yet to come out, and that's going to be a glorious day when it all comes out that the Yankees cheated, you know, but it's never going to. You know, that's all I had to say. No, but by the way, we looked it up. By the way, we looked it up. You're correct. Five games. I don't know why, but it's a double header on the 28th, whatever day that is. Uh, You got a double, a day-night double header. I guess it's a makeup game. It seemed like when you're playing a division team, you wouldn't have to make it up so early in the season, but they are. Five-game series over the weekend. Foot. I hope I hope we crush their faces. That way we can make the Yankees look bad for losing to them. You know. Well, and I still ain't wearing that Yankees jersey either. No, He's I don't. Got another no, thing coming. No, you know? no. I'll get him to wear a Cowboys jersey, a Dallas Cowboys jersey, before I wear a Yankees jersey. That's for sure. Stick to your guns. Yes, sir. All I'm right. A good one, Foot. Try not, try, hey, happy thoughts, man. All right. <laughs> You see, you never know where that therapy is going to be needed or come from. No, no, seriously, they need to pass a rule. The Red Sox, with that lineup they got right now, can never play at the pretty good American Popcorn Park. That, that just, there's like cruelty to animals kind of situation there. I mean, you just cannot do that. I mean, I can't even imagine the Red Sox in that little ballpark. That would be ugly. But I wouldn't talk too big about the Orioles. Look. The Orioles have improved. Now, are they bad? Yeah, I get it. But the Orioles have improved. They The Rays had beat them like 19 out of 20 or something, and they, they ended that little streak over the weekend. They've had a few comeback wins. They've had a few walk-off wins recently. The Orioles are still the worst team in that division. I'm not saying they're not going to finish last. I'm saying... I don't know that anybody in that division is going to beat them like 18 out of 19 again. Like, two, like they just been getting completely skull drug in that division over the last couple of years. But I don't know that anybody, I, I don't know that the Rays or the Yankees or the Red Sox are going to just totally annihilate them. Like, you know, they've been winning, you know, 16, 17, 18 games a year against them. In recent years, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll, you know, those teams will go like, you know, 
13 and 5. I don't know how many games, 18 or 19 games against them. They'll go like 13 and 5 or something, not like 18 and 1. They'll at least somewhat compete, I think. You know, just when you see things like 18 and 1 and 17 and 2, you just cringe. I mean, I, as a fan, I cringe. Now, look, we can feel sorry for the Reds. We can feel sorry for the Orioles. But the truth is, in the 60s and the 70s and into the 80s, those teams had their heyday. Well, they paying the piper. So while I, while on some level I kind of maybe kind of sort of feel sorry for them, especially their fans, well, look, how cocky were the Oriole fans in the 60s, 70s, and 80s? How cocky were the Reds fans in the 60s, 70s, and 80s? They're bad now, and they've been bad for a while. But, you know, again, they're just kind of paying the piper. I got reminded. A friend of mine texted me last week when we were talking about the Reds. He goes, I ain't feeling sorry for the Reds. They ruined my childhood. They used to cry. I can remember finishing 43 and a half games out of first place one year. How'd you like to finish this season? Well, where are we in the standings? Well, we're 43 and a half games back. I can remember that. And so I get it. I get it. You know, I I I had a I used to have a rule, and I and I maybe I need to revisit that rule. My rule as a fan always was for years, and I, and, and I haven't thought about it lately because I've had so many happy days lately. But um, my rule was, if you've ever won it all, I can't feel sorry for you. If you've ever won it all, this was before my teams won it all. But but if you've ever won it all, I cannot feel sorry for you. So you can, I don't care how long your little losing streak is. If you want it all like the Reds have, then I can't feel sorry for you. Suffer, Pope. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, um, the, and I certainly can't feel sorry for the team that this cat roots for. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Ever. Morning, Foot. How's it going? Oh, man. We pitched the Jose Ramirez last night, so just guess how that went. Yeah. Well, look, hey. It's still early in the season. I mean, we losing since last week, and you and these other fans been talking a lot of trash. See, normally I don't call foot when I see my team lose, so it's sad. It's baseball. And Everybody loses. Fans get together and want to go against the Yankees. It's sad. Even no. the enemies. It's Get not sad. The that's their jobs. The that's our jobs. If you don't pull no. for the Yankee, that's your job to, to drill the Yankees. No, that's your no, job. No. It's like written in the rule no. books. No, no, no. That, 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 that's very unwritten. But <laughs> this is why the Yankees is the most classy organization and their fans. You see, when we win or lose or some other teams, we, we, don't, we don't kick the little people down. We just Look at it, nod our head, up, tough loss, tough win. You know, we don't do that to little people. So when the Yankees lose, you don't they kick try to the Baltimore off, Orioles you know? when they're down. Yes, we, we don't. We don't kick. We, we don't. We don't kick the little people down. You know, we overlook it. Uh... We we not to carry ourselves. So when I hear this little guy Martin trying to get his little shine on, I'm gonna get him later. <laughs> but I tell you one thing. I told him his team is gonna win at least two games. That's it. Two games. They're not beating Cincinnati out of the most games. Well, now, I know. Two games win. 
When they play Cincinnati, they're playing like a five game, right? No, they're playing Baltimore for five. Baltimore five game. That's right. Baltimore. They're only winning two out of that. The most. They're going not. two and three at home against the Orioles? I don't give them three. I only give them two. Two and three. Okay. I, well, I, I got you on record. Nah, I got you on record. Think, now, he said he took, he followed your advice to keep the manager. I told him the same thing. I think his manager doing a great job. <laughs> Just like Jerry Jones doing. I think he's doing a marvelous job. That man deserves a raise. Nah. Yeah, Mike McCarthy's a great coach. They yeah, need to keep coach. that he's cat. A he's a great job. coach. I love it. I love it. He should stay there. They should give him a 10-year extension. Now, I do say this. I would, I would never – I've not been the same since I lost the bet and had to put some cowgirl stuff on. So I would never make oh, that bet no. again. Don't, don't, don't ever do that kind of stuff. That, that's just yeah, too humiliating. I, I, I would wear any jersey besides a cowgirl jersey. If I take a bet and lose it, any jersey, even the ugly side. Just look, let me girl. give you that's another piece of advice. Thing. Don't make those kind of bets. Well, when I know my team got the advantage to win, I definitely yeah. No, don't. Win, my yeah, advice to you is you don't make on. those kind of bets. When I know my team is going to win, I got to make that bet. It has killed their soul to wear a Yankee or Saints on. You have no idea. Even if I can get them and put a Knicks on, that makes me take a picture with them on it. That's awesome. You have no idea what it do to a person's soul. Trust me, <laughs> my soul ain't recovered yet. <laughs> but, but I believe you with this. We're going to bounce back Yankees. And before it's over, I'm going to make all of y'all Yankee fans, y'all have a good day. Go right. Yankees. Okay. Uh, that's not happening. <laughs> you look. Again, if you're a Yankee fan, you gotta you gotta learn and understand that, you know, a bunch of people are gonna love you and a bunch of people are gonna hate you. And the ones that are not part of the group that loves you, it's their job to 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 bash you because you're the Yankees. Like if you're a fan of the Marlins or the these days, the Reds, although at one time the Reds, you know, were the, hot, the big team in baseball. But if you're a team of a pretty not, you're a fan of the Royals or the Guardians or somebody like that, no, no, nobody's going to hate you other than maybe your big rivalry, rival in the moment. But nobody's, no one's going to bash your team because no one has that job. Like, no one's job is to bash the Kansas City Royals. I mean, that's just... That job doesn't exist. It, it, it's extinct. Um, but when you're a fan of the Yankees, well, then you 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 gotta you you have to, and you can't get mad about that. As a Yankee fan, you can't get offended because somebody hates the Yankees. You holding all the cards. If you're a fan of the Punks, you can't get offended because someone doesn't root for your team. You're holding all the cards. Give me a card, cat. No, I'm holding all of them. So you can't get mad. You can't get offended. Or you shouldn't because you are holding all the cards. I'm trying to play poker with no cards. You have all of them. So you can't get mad if I don't like you and I bash you and want you to lose. That's just part of the deal. Now, if you're a fan of the Royals... Or the Pittsburgh Pirates, or the Florida Marlins, or you know, even like the Rangers. Then you know, if, and, and people bash you, you're like, wait a minute, why are you bashing me? I'm not holding all the cards. They skip me all the time when they're handing out cards. So uh, you know, then you can get a little offended, like why you hate me? 
But if you're a fan of the Yankees or the punks, you can't get offended when people hate you. That's their job. That Those jobs are everywhere. Those jobs, there's never any unemployment on those jobs. But there isn't. Like, no one out there hates the Kansas City Royals. Like, what good does it do to hate them? So you can't get offended. All right. Just trying to set the record straight there. Now, you can you can gloat about your team and you can defend them. That's your job to defend your team. But it's everybody else's job who are not Yankee fans or punk fans to, to hate them. That's just that's just the way it is. All right. We will take a timeout. Shift gears. Talk to a man who is an Astro fan. I don't know if he hates the Yankees or not. I don't know that I've ever asked him that. Maybe one day I will. But we will uh, have our weekly conversation with UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs as they prepare for tomorrow's 4 o'clock scheduled meeting with South Alabama in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in Mobile. We'll do that after this timeout on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station Here on Footnotes you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear but you will hear what you need and of course I got all these oh you're an idiot and, you know what kind of safe fan are you look I'm not telling you what I want to happen I'm telling you what's going to happen what more than likely is going to happen Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We have with us here UL head baseball coach Matt Daggs as the Cajuns make their way to Montgomery. And, Coach, we're, we're not getting uh, good weather reports. What are you hearing so far about Montgomery weather? Oh, man, I don't I don't get into that a whole lot, Kev. I just uh, I don't get a whole lot into that. You know, when they tell us to play, we're going to play. We are practicing right now, you know, just to be here at home and make sure that we get to practice them. We're about to crank that up and then go lift and, and grab something eat and get on the bus now that the regular season is over i was thinking after the game uh over the weekend it seems like y'all have covered just about every base when you go back to the beginning of the season uh i know one of my big question marks is who, who who's going to be in the rotation and and i think your three weekend guys were somewhat of a surprise but also kind of you know went into the seventh and eighth innings more often than i thought they were gonna and the offense took a little while i think the West in the competition had something to do with that and yet I think the offense is is about where you kind of hoped it would be the only real big question we have at this point is, is can the bullpen set up that's the way I'm looking at it how do you kind of feel as far as the job y'all did covering bases just season no I feel like we've we've uh, gotten after it and checked every single box and uh you know you're exactly right the rotation's a little bit of a surprise but uh they've They've certainly overachieved, and and uh, you know the hitters are not where they're going to be, and uh, but they have gotten a lot better 
And uh, before it's all said and done with, I, I think they're going to be a force. As far as, um, you know, you've done some shuffling of the lineup of, of late, and do you do you feel like that could continue to change in the conference tournament depending on the kind of pitcher and who you're playing, or, or do you think you've kind of settled on one? I don't know that it's, it's the lineup as much as uh, where you're hitting or uh, who's playing, you know. That has to really for us it's uh it stayed pretty consistent and uh you know it's uh, i thought this weekend was a good time to look at a couple of things and uh i thought the guys played pretty well you know friday night we ran into a just a buffalo on the mound uh you know the umpire was right there with him and i thought we competed well uh but uh just didn't work out you know and and uh then the next two days i thought uh we played pretty good, especially late in the game, and that's kind of been our mo all year. Is just out last, uh, but we've got to start driving in runs consistently. Right now, we put a little lull uh, with our production, and that's got to change starting uh, Wednesday afternoon. Now, I, you know, Max Morshock went in kind of a late season slump, and he got some hits over the weekend. Though, that do you feel like he he kind of made some took some steps forward over the weekend? Yeah, it's a setup adjustment, you know. He can climb back into this old setup and get get a little bit uh, backside heavy where there's no transfer. And when there's no transfer, now you got timing involved. And he just doesn't have enough at-bats under his belt at this level to try to rely on timing. And so uh, a little bit more rhythm, flow, direction, and extension help him out. And they help him get out of the box faster as well. So, you know, the other thing that I think is going to be interesting in Montgomery is um, how each team matches up with the ballpark. It's going to be a little different. What are your memories as far as how did the ball, how the bar, ballpark played last year? And, you know, there's a thought process out there that Texas State doesn't, even though they've been the most dominant team, doesn't necessarily match up with this ballpark the best, and that could make it for an even more interesting tournament than we were thinking. Yeah, I don't, you know, the ballpark to me played very fair. Of course, there was home runs, and we hit some, and everybody did. Uh, but, uh, you know, as far as Texas State, I, I don't know. Uh, they can hit, man. I don't know if there's a ballpark that's going to hold them consistently. Uh, you know, it's nice to hit where they hit. And Georgia State's got a ballpark conducive to that. But uh, they've got some good hitters over there. So, you know, whoever matches up with them is going to have to touch it and defend it. Again, we're speaking with UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs. For y'all to win a tournament, obviously, you know, your your great hitters are going to have to hit. And probably you're going to need someone out of the pen or a surprise starter or somebody to do something maybe than they've done better than they have all year or, or better than they have in a long time. Uh, do, do you see a couple guys that, you know, that could be good guesses for that role? That's hard to pinpoint, uh, Kevin. You know, obviously, you're exactly right. You need two to three heroes to step up, either either guys that have all year or guys that, you know, maybe haven't. Uh, who that's going to be is anybody's guess this time of year. I think it's always a fun part of the game to watch the teams that are successful in postseason and then trace it back and say, wow, who's sparked? And, you know, a lot of times it's someone coming out of relative obscurity. I think uh, David Christie's a guy that, that, that have a, a big outing before us. Uh, you know, I, I hope DJ can get rolling for us. Uh, you know, there's a there's a couple, two or three options for sure. 
you know, Austin had a couple nice moments. It was obviously a great moment Saturday, him being able, as a senior who's been around here for a long time, to walk off the field and tip his hat to the crowd in uh, kind of some mutual appreciation there. But but he actually has pitched better, I think, down the stretch, and he might match up to this ballpark pretty well. Oh, he, he, he pitched that's incredible. And I didn't list him because for just a dude, been uh, our hottest guy down he's definitely going to have to factor well you know it's one thing to see a great player and then sometimes you kind of take him for granted man the, the the performance that Carson Rockefort put out over the weekend and I know it's, he's been doing it longer than this weekend but he was just he was really something yeah it's been fun to watch and uh you know we talked before the season he's just a good player you're gonna he's gonna put up great numbers and uh, but boy, I tell you, it's been a uh, just a special, special year for him. Uh, the amount of the load he's had to carry and done so consistently has been really fun to watch. You you mentioned um, CJ. You know, he, he's had a few moments during the season. He gives you some flexibility. I I I, I could see him being a guy who could have some big moments in this tournament as well. Well, he's got. You know, he made an adjustment, and then he got away from the adjustment, and then we got it back. And there's a lot of fruit that comes off that tree when he does. And he's got to, you know, he's got to stick with it. If he does, he'll be a force. And, uh, you know, that's part of this game. You have to be able to adjust. you got to be able to adapt. And uh, I think you saw him do some of that on uh, on this weekend, over the week, or uh, on Sunday, Saturday. Right. So, you know, it's uh, that's what it is, a game of adjustments. And, you know, hopefully he can stick with it and, and uh, be productive for us. Now, are, do you feel like the way y'all handled the pitchers uh, this past weekend that y'all are as, you know, in terms of the shape that they're in and the work that they've gotten recently and all, you're in, you're in great shape going into this tournament as far as pitchers' arms and, and where they are? Yeah, I thought we managed it extremely well and still doing a great job with those guys. You know, they're going to go into this thing as fresh as we can get them. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of who's going to match up best against who, and I think we have that luxury. Uh, because you got great guys that have fought some big innings for us. So, Now, what about the first opponent? You know, they're all. You know, y'all had y'all had a great series against them earlier this season, but they obviously know how to win baseball games, and and they're the defending champions. So, uh, tell me about a little bit about that matchup. Well, it's probably our toughest draw. Uh, two teams, two coaching staffs with a lot of grit, a lot of fight, and uh, they're going to play each other tooth and nail. And you know, so that that matchup there is going to be a tough one. It's gonna. There's a lot of respect between both ball clubs, and it's gonna come down to the wire. You're gonna have to pitch it. You're gonna have to make plays. You're gonna have to get two out hits. All righty, sir. Well, we'll let you go and prepare. We appreciate your time, and good luck in Montgomery. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Cal. I'll see you later. All right. Take care. UL head baseball coach Matt Degg, Cages in South Alabama. I, I agree with him. I, you know, it, it, pretty early in the weekend, it was pretty obvious, and then it became official that the Cajuns were gonna be matched up again. Against South Alabama in the uh, in the opening game of the Sun Belt Conference tournament at four o'clock Wednesday. Of course, that's weather permitting. Who knows when they actually get to play it and and how long the first few games last? But it, you know, it's the four o'clock game anyway, and uh, it's kind of kind of iffy. Worried about uh, that's kind of an iffy matchup to be facing. I don't think Coastal's a team to watch, but it'll be all signs point towards a very exciting Sun Belt Conference baseball tournament. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back. We'll Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ooh, man. Every once in a while you get that old oldie but goodie. Ooh, man, it makes you feel good. All right. Uh, welcome back. Want to remind you, if you have not signed up for the game clubhouse, what are you waiting for? It's free. It's simple. And when you go to the website and sign up for the game clubhouse, you put yourself in position to win a half-shell Oyster House $50 gift certificate. Or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. There's also other great prizes, like you put yourself in position to win the Astros giveaway and a lot of the other great prizes that we give away, like Downtown Rising and all this thing, all these things. So don't wait any longer. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today for the Game Clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right. I, 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 felt, I, I, I felt that... Before the Coach Deggs interview, we were talking about teams. And we got to put I, – I should have included at the time when I was rattling, when I was picking on the Punks and the Yankees, which they deserve it. But the Red Sox are in that too. Like, to be fair, the Red Sox are in that category too because the ESPN people believe that all of baseball revolves around those teams. Now – the plan is that in three or four years, the Mets are going to be part of that because they hired this real rich guy and they're just going to buy everybody. But the Mets have been so bad for a while now, we can't even consider them yet for that. Comment. Their plan is that they're going to be in that group town. But for now, we have to just confine it to the Yankees, the Punks, and the Red Sox. And so we'll see how that plays out. That'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on this not-so-glorious Tuesday, but we're having fun anyway. We'll be back on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in now, you certainly can do so. We will, as I said, talk. A little high school football with Acadiana High head football coach Matt McCullough in the next segment. And then we'll have open phone lines the second half of the second hour of the show. So we've talked Major League Baseball, uh, Astros and, you know, fandom and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just in case you have not gotten the update, um, because there's rain forecasted very heavily um, 
a lot of people, in other words, think it's going to rain on Wednesday and or Thursday in both the Sun Belt and the SEC tournaments in Alabama. Um, the Sun Belt, anyway, I haven't heard a change from the SEC. If anybody has, please let us know. But uh, the Sun Belt is scheduled to begin – well, the Sun Belt has a little more flexibility because they only have two games. It's like two play-in games that are – that are scheduled for today. And those games have been moved up to now noon for the ULM Georgia State game and then 3.30 for the App State Little Rock game. Uh, the Georgia State ULM winner will play Georgia Southern at 12.30 on Thursday, as weather permitting. And the Little Rock App winner will play uh, Texas State, uh, the number one seed, scheduled for 7, 7.30 Wednesday, again, weather permitting. So they're moving that up to try to get the two play-in games, and obviously that's important for those teams because that's a single elimination thing, kind of, uh, you know, a play-in game. And so they don't want to have to – the loser wants to go home. They don't want to have to hang around, um, you know, it, you know, they want to win, but if they win, they'll hang around, obviously. But if they lose, they want to go home. So they want to get those games played so two of those teams can go home and not have to stay an extra day or two because of bad weather. Because, I mean, theoretically, if the weather doesn't, if it's going to be as bad as they think on Wednesday and Thursday, they're going to be jamming a lot of games in a short period of time. That's going to be muy mucho, Pablo. Uh, on the SEC side today, it actually has already started. I'll try, we'll try to get an update at some point. But Georgia, the sixth seed, is playing 11 seed Alabama. Uh, the seven seed Flo- started at 9:30. Uh, seven seed Florida is playing the 10 seed South Carolina. Eight seeded Vandy's playing nine seeded Ole Miss uh, at 4:30 scheduled. How interesting is that? That's the last. That's the team that everyone got surprised by or shocked by when Ole Miss defeat swept LSU in Baton Rouge, and then the same amount of people were shocked when LSU went to Vanderbilt the weekend after and swept Vandy. And so now you have Vandy playing Ole Miss. <coughs> kind of interesting there. Auburn plays Kentucky in the late game tonight, scheduled for eight an 8 o'clock start. Can you imagine? They're going to be playing till midnight because it ain't going to start at 8. That's um. That's Pabon. The winner of that well, it's good for LSU because the winner of that game will advance to Thursday to play LSU. But of course, that game's scheduled for like eight o'clock. That's bottom. That's just oh, man. That's brutal. That's and that's if it starts at eight, and that's if they even play with all this rain. So, obviously, we've got um. Got a lot to keep an eye on because it sounds like we'll get today's games in. Tomorrow, maybe early in the afternoon and Thursday. I don't know. We'll see. Sometimes the weather reports are accurate and sometimes they aren't. We all understand that. So we'll just kind of wait and watch and see how that plays out. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Foot, it's Martin again. How you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there, sir. How are you? Oh, okay. So, so you know how y'all have that little that little intro or whatever, saying that thou shall not spit into the wind, thou shall not play poker with a guy with a last name of a state. 
Well, you'll need to add one to it. Thou should not take advice from a Yankees fan. That's why I don't. That's why I didn't take take Paul's advice because you, you, that that's like like that should be one of the Ten Commandments. Is, is never take advice from a Yankees fan because all they do is 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 buy the most flashy, expensive players. You know. I understand. And did I it did 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 I hear that right? That he wants some sympathy because everybody hates his Yankees. Yes. I told him that's not uh, that's not part of the gig. He said I said yeah. I, he said that's my I said that's my job. He said, "Well, you need to get a new job." But I mean, you can't that's my that's my lifelong job to be an Astro fan and the fan Listen. of everyone that's not a fan of those special group of 3 or 4 teams. That's their job to hate those teams that are at the top. Exactly. You know, and the Yankees only bring it on themselves, you know? Yes. I mean, but I, I was born a Yankee hater since the the first day I was born. You know, that's why I'm a Red Sox fan. Good so man. You, you think I should show some sympathy to him yet? Oh, no. I don't think so. No. You know, he's just mad because his Yankees lost to the cookies, you know. But it's, it's going to be all right, you know. And, 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 and I promise you, one day he's going to wear he's gonna wear that Cowboys jersey. I promise you. Well, and I don't I'm know if that's going to happen. Of it. Okay, yeah, please do that. I got to see that. Yes. Hey, yeah, with a big smile on his face, too, because he's going to be happy. I know it. All right. Let, let, when you do that, send me the picture. We'll post it. Yeah. All right. And remember, positive thoughts, man. All right. <laughs> uh, no, I just, I just, I'm just not a big fan. We talked about it an hour ago, and I, and again, a lot of you probably disagree with me, and that's fine. That's why we have sports talk radio. Uh oh, I'm being told the SEC tournament is in a rain delay already. Oh, already. It was supposed to be tomorrow from what the Raymond Porch, Clint Domang weather report, the weather service told me it was going to be tomorrow. They were wrong. Started already. Oh, man. That is... Well, no, that that's that Auburn game ain't going to get played tonight if they already rained delayed. What are they going to do, start at midnight? They're going to finish at like 2 in the morning like that old Paul Tuckett game. By the way, Paul Tuckett is no longer an affiliate of the Red Sox. That, there should be a law against that. Paul Tuckett should always be the affiliate of the Red Sox. But anyway, uh, that's things changing, and many things are changing on the minor league scene for sure. Um. Something that we mentioned a little bit about softball yesterday. Obviously, we talked about LSU a little bit getting eliminated in Arizona and the Cajuns in in the Clemson regional, and we also discussed McNeese and the and reaching the the finals. Um, okay, another update: Alabama, Georgia have not started. They did not start, so they didn't even stand thrown a pitch. The nine, the scheduled nine thirty start hasn't even started during a rain delay. So, oh man. Um, but just to, real quick to give a recap, we talked about the Cajuns and LSU and McNeese and their regionals, but we didn't give a of the 16 teams that are left, five of them are did not host regionals. Texas lost. They beat Washington eight to two, and then they lost to Washington two to one, and then they beat Washington three to two. So you know, so now they're playing Arkansas, which is an old school Southwest Conference matchup, kind of cool, kind of an old school Southwest um, 
Southwest Conference football matchup, Texas versus Arkansas. That's kind of cool. Uh, and then also, I guess, kind of cool because of the basketball aspects of it. One of the other super regionals is Duke against UCLA in a softball region. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, Northwestern against Arizona State. I don't know of any connections between those two and UCF and Oklahoma. I remember UCF was doing all that exciting, and it is exciting as a mid-major to host a regional, but when you when you host a 16 regional, that means you got to go to Oklahoma. Highway 9 in Norman. Good luck. Um, Florida plays Virginia Tech. Oregon State plays Stanford. The, um, as I said, five of the 16 are, are re, uh, were not regional hosts, and four of those five play each other. Oregon State beat Tennessee in the Knoxville Regional, beat, beat the Vols 8-3 to three and 3-1. Three to one. And Stunford, like we discussed yesterday, went to Tuscaloosa and beat Bama 5-0, lost 4 to nothing, and won 6-0. There was a shutout in all three of those games. Unbelievable. So Oregon State will host Stunford. I believe the way that goes. But anyway, they play each other. And I, that is a you know an old Pac-12 rivalry. Clemson is playing Oklahoma State, as expected, from the seeds there. And then Arizona went to Missouri. Missouri's always been a good place to go. Uh, Arizona beat Missouri 2 to nothing and 1 to nothing, And they will play Mississippi State. Now, Mississippi State was the most unlikely of all of them. Mississippi State lost their first game in Tallahassee and came back through the loser's bracket to get to championship Sunday and beat the Seminoles 5 to nothing and 4 to 3. So... You've got Arizona versus Mississippi State, Oregon State versus Stanford, and then Texas against Arkansas. So they're not all from a total softball angle, but a lot of interesting matchups here between schools, and um, and it's it's very interesting how it worked out. Where of the five non-one seeds that advanced to super regionals, four of the five will be playing against another team. That uh, that you know advanced as a as a non number one seed. Very interesting the way that played out for sure. So uh, you know maybe maybe Knoxville and Tuscaloosa were better options for the Cajuns than Clemson. Who knows? I mean, it doesn't even matter because what it was is what it was, and you had to beat who you had to beat, and they beat Auburn but didn't beat Clemson. So. Um, We'll see how that plays out next year. But, no, very, very interesting that there were that many non-number one seeds that won and the way the ma- – and and just peculiar that it worked out that, you know, because I don't think anybody really thought Florida State wasn't going to win. I mean, what were they, a three seed, a four seed? I mean, everybody thought they were going to win. And it didn't happen. So, you know, we kind of downgraded – LSU's losses to Mississippi State, but apparently they weren't terrible. They went to Tallahassee and won. Can't be that bad. So maybe those losses to Mississippi State weren't as bad as they seemed on on the, you know, they lost to them at the end of the regular season, and then they lost to them in the first round of the SEC tournament. But it was what it was. So we'll see who, you know, obviously it seems like 
Oklahoma's becoming like UCLA in basketball in the early, you know, 70s where they just dominate all, all the time and win all the time. So we'll see. I mean, you know, at, at some point they're going to be like the Yankees and everybody's going to pull against them except for them. And they're probably already there, to be honest. Um, and so um, so I think the whole country is going to be pulling for UCF, Central Florida, but I don't think anybody really believes they're going to win. They're just probably going to get their face crushed and they might get rained on because that happened to me once in Norman. All right. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, again, shift gears. Talk a little high school football with Katie Anna High head football coach Matt McCullough. After this timeout on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 24th, 1992. Al Unser Jr. holds off Scott Goodyear to win the Indianapolis 500 by 0.043 seconds for the closest finish in Indy 500 history. Unser Jr., meanwhile, becomes the first second-generation driver to win the race. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Kevin Foote on the game. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you, if you would like to win Downtown Rising VIP passes to see the Cold War kids on Saturday, June the 4th, this is what you need to do. Go to the website, join the game rewards club by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. And that will put you in position to perhaps win a pair of VIP passes. Again, to see Cold War Kids at Downtown Rising, the ultimate downtown rising experience is presented to you by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. So, while we've had softball regionals and baseball conference tournaments and Major League Baseball and the NBA playoffs, something else going on this past week was around the Acadiana area in the state was a lot of uh, the end of spring high school football practice. Some people play spring games. Some teams don't. But pretty much everybody, with a few exceptions, does spring football. And one of those teams is the Acadiana Wrecking Rams and coach, head coach Matt McCullough. How are you, sir? Doing good, man. Thank you for having me. All right. So, and by the way, before we uh, continue, want to let anybody know who didn't get the news when it came out earlier this spring, the Acadiana Rams will be viewed on one of our, be heard on one of our sister stations throughout the 2022 high school football season on KVOL 97.7 FM will be the home of the Acadiana Rams this fall. So everyone around here is very excited about that. So tell us, Coach. The decision now um, to not do a spring game. You're certainly not along um, in, in, in doing that. So do you feel like after doing it for a few years, you get just as much or more of it not having a spring game? Yeah, I think we get just as much. I mean, it's hard to find a spring game anyway. Um, 
it's difficult because of the uh, offense we run and just and just different things for us to find a spring game. So, you know, our biggest key in the spring is is to see who who can play, to put in a few things to see who can play and and make the kids a little tougher. Um, we like to get it done in in two to two and a half weeks, and by the end of those two and a half weeks, we can we we can we can figure out a lot of things and put in some stuff. Um, and I don't know if playing a game would would change anything about that. So I've heard a lot of people say, "Man, it's hotter this year than it than it seems like it it it, it usually is." So somebody who's been out on a football practice field probably is more qualified uh, than most of us to to answer that question. So, Coach, is it has it been hotter this year in May than it normally is? It is hotter, but we 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 got through spring without it being hotter because we actually started the first first week to possibly start and only went two weeks and went eight days. The following week, it got hotter. But but I've been doing a lot of stuff as far as um, outside, and it definitely is hotter to me than it normally is in May. But we were lucky; we got a, we got two cooler weeks of spring, so it wasn't that, that bad when we were out there. All right, so at, coming out of the uh, going into the off season, what were the two or three most pressing questions in your mind going into spring, and then did you come close to getting all those answers on those issues, or not yet? Yeah, I think uh, some of the big things were um, the D-line and the depth on the D-line, which I think we, we know who can play there now. Um, and we've got a couple guys coming back there, but also uh, just having some depth there. Um, in the secondary, um, figuring out the top you know, six or seven guys and who has the ability to play. Um, and offensively, you know, we got four linemen coming back, but figuring out um, kind of a battle for that fifth spot. And we kind of knew um, the receivers we had and the running backs we had, and uh, I think uh, just kind of who's going to who's going to win that fifth spot on the offensive line, and uh, getting some depth on the D line and, and in the secondary. So last year you had some pretty talented kids at wide receiver, which is normally not the most busy position on an Acadiana High football team. So tell me about the roles that some of those players could be playing this fall. Well, uh, the Babineau kid is, is is really talented. You know, we were able to put him in the backfield some, put him at receiver, uh, but he was only a freshman last year. So we uh, we kind of um, didn't want to give him too many uh, carries uh, to get him injured, but um, he'll be a guy that, that'll do a bunch of different things. We put him in the backfield. We also get in some three-back sets where, where he, where he kind of dots his uh, inverted wishbone um, that, that he kind of gets as, as the back, the deeper back. Um you know, and we have some other receivers also that we think can stretch the field, and and some ways to get them the ball. But um, you know, Russell Russell's uh, special, so we're going to give him the ball in a bunch of different ways. So, how much, like percentage wise, if you just had to guess, and obviously, you know, injuries and you know matchups and all that play into it. But you know, in May here, percentage wise, would what do you envision him playing? Like, what percentage of his plays at receiver and and, and what at wide at running back? Well, we usually leave uh, one receiver on the field, so he's never going to leave the field, and he'll. When we get in the bone set, he can he can get in the, as as a deep back, and then he'll he'll be at when other sets will be out wide, and we also can put him in just a two back set some. So um, I don't I don't know exactly. It kind of depends on what the defense is doing and and and, uh, and different things. But he he could be sixty forty forty percent the backfield, sixty percent outside. Um, you know something like that. He's going to move around a bunch. 
So tell us about his skill set. I certainly saw him play a couple times last year, but is he just total speed, or what would you say is his skill set? Well, he's got real good ball skills. Um, he can run. You know, he's shifty. He's, um, he's just a good athlete that, that has good ball skills, can run, and, and, and really good feed, and just a really good football player. But, yes, he, he can really run. All right, so you had a running back last year who just had a fabulous season and just kept getting better and better and better as the season went on, and he's not going to be here. So not that Acadiana ever really has trouble finding running backs, but but what about, like, do you foresee somebody being that uh, just really physical mainstay, or is it going to be a little more balanced in the backfield this year? Well, we got Keevan back, um, Keevan Williams, uh, who, who rushed for like 1,400 yards for us, and he's also put on some weight. He's up to about 190 now, and uh, having a real good offseason, was a good football player for us last year. I think he's going to be really, really good for us this year. And we got two sophomores going to be um, going to be juniors, uh, Ezekiel Hippolyte and Cameron Monette, that I think are both good football players. Um, then you also have Russell, and you got some uh, younger backs that have a chance to help us. But um, I think we'll be fine in the backfield. I do think we have uh, multiple guys that can play there. But, um, you know, Keevan is the guy with the most experience. But both those guys, uh, Zeke and, uh, and Cam, both uh, have a chance to be really good football players for us. So year. how many of those would you consider more physical? I know everybody runs inside, you know, in, in, in your offense, but – you know, I consider Keevan more of a speed guy, and Russell's obviously a speed guy. Or how many of those running backs, or would you consider speed guys, and how many of them are like physical, really physical inside runners? No, you know, I think all three of those guys, Keevan, uh, Zeke, and Cam. Even though Cam's not as big, uh, run pretty hard uh, physically inside. You know, Keevan put on about fifteen, twenty pounds, so he's he, he's a lot bigger than he was last year already. Um, Zeke's always been a physical guy inside, and Cam. He's not a, a real big guy. Actually, runs extremely hard inside. So, um, you know, I think all of them actually do a pretty good job of being physical. Um, and, and the good news is that they all can run pretty well too. So, all, all counting Russell and then a few of those other guys, we got some guys with some speed uh, in the backfield and at receiver. All right. So again, we're speaking with Acadiana High head football coach Matt McCullough. You, you've you've talked about passing and receiver a few times. Am I hearing that the passing game is going to be further along than it was last year? Yeah, I think we'll have the ability to throw the football. You know, we've got a little America that's coming back outside as a receiver. Uh, we got a Campbell. Uh, besides having Russell, uh, Torian Campbell, that thinks a good receiver. And a few other guys that um, we can do some things and be able to throw the football and uh, spread some people out if we need to, um, and um, have a chance to throw the football when we need to. Tell us about your quarterback and his progress. Aiden's doing well. You know he's been he's been working hard. Uh, you know he played 14 games for us last year, um, and we have a luxury of having a guy that's a freshman that I think is going to be a good quarterback too. So I think we have two guys that can play. Uh, they're the better kids. So we, um, you know, I like both our quarterbacks. And, and you know, Aiden had um, uh, 14 starts last year. I thought he played really, really well at the end of the season. So um, it's uh, it's a luxury because I think this is the first time in a while that we've had two guys that I think will be ready to play on a Friday night. You mentioned secondary at the top, and y'all have had some, you know, elite secondary players some were college talent and some were just outstanding high school football players over the last three or four years. W- w- what does it look like in that particular area? 
Uh, we got a guy coming back that's a junior, Amir, Amir Hill, that played a bunch last year. Another kid that wasn't able to play last year, an Alexander kid at corner that I think is going to be really good. Um, we have Jalen Lawrence, who, who played star for us last year right now at strong safety. You know, he's a, um, he's a guy that's going to be a, a college football player, and I think he's got a chance to be really good there. Uh, and then right now we have um, Mallory Kid at the other corner, and we have some, some guys that are going to be sophomores that are kind of competing to have a chance to get on the field. So I think in the secondary we have some depth, and we have a few guys with some experience with Jalen. And, uh, and Amir um, that had played a bunch last year, even though Jalen was at the star linebacker, he was on the field, uh, you know, the whole year. So um, we have a little experience, and I think as it goes, we have a chance to be good in the secondary. All right, so you mentioned how hard it is to schedule a, a, a spring game opponent, even if you wanted to have a spring game. It's also pretty difficult at times to schedule regular season opponents. Uh, Karen Crow is now going to be in your district, and you've been playing them in non-district for years. So uh, tell us about what, how difficult and what went into your non-district schedule and, and some of the exciting games that you did schedule. Well, the first game was easy. We've been playing LCA for the last uh, three or four years, and uh, they were able to move it where we um, would be able to play week one because we start district week two. Uh, then we had a bye week seven, um, and I, I kind of waited around to see uh, who else had a bye, and it, it worked out that uh, John Curtis um, also had a bye week set, seven, and so we were able to get them, and they're going to come here this year. So um, we only had to schedule two. So it wasn't as as difficult, but that week seven I thought was going to be very difficult, but it kind of worked out that uh, Curtis was off that week two from their district schedule. So we were able to get LCA week one and then Curtis uh, week seven. All right, so way back when, before you were born, I remember Acadiana, I want to say it was my sophomore year, lost like 27-7 to 7 or something at Curtis in the Dome. Did they ever, Is this going to be fir- Curtis's first ever trip here is what I'm asking, or was that a two-year deal when they played here in the early 80s? I'm not sure if they've ever been to KDN. I know we went over there on a Sunday uh, in 20, a couple, uh, like a year or two ago. Right. And then I knew they said we had played twice uh, before that. But I, I'm not sure. I'm guessing that they, they might have came to Katiana because I think it was like one and one the series, like you had said. But um, I really I really am not sure if they had came here before. But that's a so fun matchup, wasn't have. it? Well, wasn't it cool playing Curtis a couple years ago? I know it was a Sunday afternoon. It was unique. But – and COVID and all that, but but it still had to be fun, and th- that's going to be a matchup people are just going to love, I would think. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was going. We went over there and played at noon on a Sunday, so it was, it was a little weird because we uh, the hurricane that came through and we didn't have lights in our locker room. We had to get stuff out, and and we were able to get over there. Um, you know, I think this one will be even funner because you're playing on a, on a Friday night at seven o'clock. Curtis is coming to Acadiana for. Maybe the first time, but uh, definitely the first time in a long time. So uh, I do think it's going to be fun. Of course, they're a great program, and 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 they're going to be a good football team. So yeah, and I, it, it'll be a, it'll be a fun football game. All righty, sir. Well, we'll be chatting with you in the fall for sure. But wanted to catch up and see how things were going with the Rams. And again, you can hear all of Acadiana's games uh, on KVOL ninety seven. 7FM this year. Looking forward to that in the fall. Appreciate it, sir, and you have a good summer. All right, you too, Kevin. All right, Acadiana High head football coach Matt McCullough. And, man, what a schedule. What a, uh, you know, it sounds like they're going to be a big play team. You know, at times, Acadiana's the kind of offense where they can, 
you know, go 10 plays, 80 yards, and take five or six minutes off the clock, and they've always been pretty good at that. But from what I'm hearing, they're going to have four starters back on the offensive line and a lot of speed in the backfield. It's going to be a lot of 50 and 60 and 70-yard uh, touchdown runs. So should be fun following the Rams for their fans this fall. We'll take a timeout, come back, open the phone lines again, touch a few more bases. Everything going around this time of the year. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Want to remind you about an event taking place on June the 11th. Next Home Cutting Edge Realty is holding their annual Luke Day on June the 11th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. The charity benefit, the charity event benefits Canine Companions which is a nonprofit organization that gives to those with disability dogs. The event will be located at Boye Dog Park on at 411 West Bluebird Drive in Lafayette, next to uh, Como High School, uh, again on June the 11th from 9 a.m. to 1. Uh, there will be a food truck, uh, Kona Ice Snow Cone Stand on site, plus music and treats and prizes, all proceeds will be donated to Canine Companions. That's Next Home Cutting Edge Realty's Luke Day on June the 11th. All right. Somebody is going to be a long way from home, theoretically, on June the 11th, and I will let you know who that is going to be in the coming weeks, but that's the plan anyway. Somebody's going to be a long way from home. On June the 11th. But anyway, all right. So want to reopen the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111 if you would like to get in. All right. So this is not a very nice thing that Hannah just did to me. Okay. Let me, let me explain to you. I am um, doing a little better, but emotionally. Because it's an exciting time. But I'm I'm finishing up our interview with Matt McCullough, and he he is. He he did a good job as always. Very informative. And um lot to be excited about if you're an Acadiana fan. And so I'm trying to concentrate, and she sends me this little, I don't know, a tweet, and all I see is Adam Schefter. And so you know that I'm sitting here waiting for news about Quan Alexander or Darryl and or Darryl Williams. That would be tremendous. 
So, like, you know, I, I can't dance. I have zero with them, but I could try to dance if they – and so I open it up during after the interview during the break, and this is what it says. Free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown is in New Orleans this morning working out for the Saints per source, says Adam Schefter. Now – My first answer to that is no. My second answer to that is no. And my third answer to that is no. No. Antonio Brown. I don't even want, you know, some people have suggested that the Saints that uh, go after um, Beckham. I don't even want that. And he's less psycho than Antonio Brown. So I got all excited. Didn't happen. And she don't feel guilty. No, she don't feel guilty. Pitiful. Uh, No, technically she's doing her job. She's just passing along information. Yeah. So, um, no. I mean, again, does he have talent? Yeah, but, you know, I I went through enough last year. I can't deal with. With Antonio Brown. Now, would it be priceless to see what in the world Antonio Brown would do and say if he scored a touchdown against the Yucks, especially in in a close game? Uh, Yeah, that would be interesting and funny and priceless in a lot of ways. I get all that, but no. Look. If, if the final two pieces fall that I want to fall and that I'm hoping fall and that I'm optimistic will fall for the Saints in their offseason roster construction, then in my opinion, like I've been saying since a year ago, that this team it will have the best roster it's ever had. And... And why would you want to mess that up by messing with Antonio Brown? Again, if you told me he's totally cured of all the obstacles and he's still a good player, I would say yes, potentially. But there's no way of knowing that. So my answer is no, 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 no. And why would you do that to me? But anyway, it um, it's done. We passed the information along, and uh, you know I I don't. The end of the tweet said use the word due diligence. I'm sure that's what that is, but I don't even really know what that means because I can't believe that he's gonna. I can't believe all 32 teams are gonna do their due diligence. No, I don't believe that. So again, I. I guess you never say never on anything. And one thing that a a team that has a locker room like the Saints have is they feel like they can fix anyone. I always use the example, and Carl Everett was just a hothead. He wasn't, you know, he didn't seem to have all the issues that Antonio Brown has, although I think he had some issues uh, off the field. But 
Carl Everett had a lot of problems in several in the nineties, several organizations, and he came to the Astros, and that was, you know, Bagwell and Osmus and Biggio and Moises Alou, and they had this great clubhouse, and and there was no messing with it. I mean, there just wasn't like. They run the show. They told you how things went. And so Carl Everett fit in fine, nicely. And he and he he had a nice run with the Astros. And so it was um there were no problems because the clubhouse was that strong. And I'm sure the Saints feel like, you know, whether it's Beckham or Brown or anybody else with perceived off the field issues. Uh, the Saints probably feel like, and the Patriots have pro- have done it before, uh, probably feel like, and I'm sure organizations like the Chief who have had sustained success with a strong head coach and strong veteran leaders feel like they can they can handle any of that stuff. No. But I, I say no. Again, I say don't pitch to the other team's best player. Like, why ask for trouble if you don't need it is my point. Don't why pitch to the other team's best player? Why mess with that? Just move on. You know, it's like okay, you're gonna give me control on what offensive play you're gonna call? No, don't throw the ball to Travis Kelsey. I want you to throw it to like Hardman. <laughs> like try that cat instead of this Hall of Fame tight end. If you're gonna give me a choice, and in baseball you have a choice. So, don't pitch to them. And in this case, don't mess with it. So, and I don't think they're gone. Oh man, I'm telling you, I, I was I was just so hoping to see confirmation that my suspicions of my suspicions on who the Saints might be signing or agreeing to terms with, and instead I saw Antonio Brown. Anyway, we'll regroup. Everything's fine. Nothing has changed. Just a little bit of a um, interesting curveball there. Um, and you know what's taking so long? Who knows? You know, it wasn't it wasn't so long ago that some people were getting all impatient about the Saints offseason overall. And you know, I tried to tell them then, just be patient. So now I'm trying to preach to the mirror be patient calm down but when when you when you've covered all the ground they've covered and then there's just these two little things that are dangling and you're like let's just get it done so we can wrap it up celebrate it and then just start praying that everybody stays healthy this season unlike last year so we can um that's what that you know that's kind of where we are but the dangling continues that's okay we got to be patient um it's certainly interesting by the way apparently the SEC tournament has begun in fact i've got a, an update here that alabama leads 3 to nothing early on against six-seeded Georgia uh, in the top of the second of the SEC tournament. So after a rain delay, it has begun. That's good news. Hopefully they can get at least three games in today. That would be tremendous. But, man, 
I'm just wondering, are they really going to be able to get that 8 o'clock? I guess they can. They can always start at like 10 o'clock or something, I guess. 9, 30, 10 o'clock, whatever it takes. But that is the update. Alabama up 3 nothing, top two. All right, we will take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show. Next on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana, Sports Station. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Um, want to speaking, want to remind you, Astros tonight, game two against the Guardians after getting their face crushed last night. We'll see if the Astros can rebound. And you can hear that game right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Speaking of basketball, from that last little line that we always do, um, the NBA last night. I Look, I was really worried that the Heat would not win another game. And they did. They, went, they, they won game three. I was very excited that they won. I still am not real hopeful that they're going to win the series. I really, really want them to. But last night was just a missed opportunity. I mean, they just stunk up the joint. Like, their starters combined for, like, less than 20 points. They're, um, I mean, Tatum had a great game, but Brown was 5 of 20, scored 12 points. They picked a bad night to be awful because Boston didn't have, like, a high-execution night. But defensively, Boston had so much success or Miami just played that terrible, or some combination of the of the two, that, I mean, they got their face crushed. Once again, the National Blowout Association continues. I mean, almost every game is a blowout. That is not good. I mean, just about every game is a blowout. And um, I don't care if they win by one or 50, but I sure hope that he can find a way to win another game. But I am, again, I I was worried that they would only win one. They've won two, so I appreciate that. But I, I'm worried they're not going to win another. I just, now again, Jimmy Butler was 3 of 14 from the field. Scored six points. That's not going to happen. He's going to do better. How much better, we'll see. And look, the bottom line is, they're going to be at home in game five. And the game five winner wins a high percentage of series when the game is when the series is tied. Whoever wins game five wins the series a high percentage at a time. So that those are optimistic things to consider if you're not pulling for the Celtics. Like, you know, any reasonable fan should, you know, that's 
just a dig, but 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 I believe it. Um, and so I don't know. I still don't feel good about it, but I'm sure I sure hope they can figure out a way to win this next game. And again, I don't care if it's a blowout. I just want to. I just want the Heat to win just to keep the Celtics out of there. All right, we had lots of fun today on a day with after an Astros blowout loss. So we certainly appreciate that. Appreciate. Uh, Matt McCullough coming on and, and Coach Deggs always being willing to do an interview and all your phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.